of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from a store. And of course, I am mostly peaceful as well, just in case you were wondering. Uh, emphasis on mostly. According to the definition as established by the legacy mainstream media uh, over the course of this past summer. Uh, basically saying occasionally I get a little riled. <laughs> um, excuse me, that kind of come up out of nowhere. In a way, in the process of trying to get uh, my guest for this hour connected, and we have gotten, welcome back to the show once again, great American patriot, the purveyor. Edwards Notebook, and the books of the Ronit American Experience. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ron, first of all, great to have you with us again. And secondly, how are you on this fine St. Patrick's Day? Ron, are, can you hear me? Okay, I'm not certain if Ron can hear me. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm hearing him. Uh, Ron, if you can hear me, I'm going to try to call you back, okay? We'll see if we can't get this connection better. All right. 
All right. The battle to try to reconnect with Ron continues. <laughs> I tell you what, sometimes these connections get a little wonky. Uh, everything else was going well. What a surprise. Uh, but now let's try it again. We'll see if we can't get connected. And I believe we are finally connected together once again, sir. Uh, can you hear me, Ron? Hello? Hello, sir. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear okay. you. Finally. <laughs> we have got things going. Okay, let me circle back around to the question I was trying to ask you when I thought we were connected, and clearly we were not <laughs> connected very well. And that, of course, is how are you on this fine St. Patrick's Day? Good, if I do say so myself. Uh, it's been a very good day, and uh, all is well in Edwards land. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish it was just as well across the country. Uh, I really do. Uh, I think we started out last week's uh, broadcast with a similar note. It's like things yeah. are great personally, uh, things are sad nationally. Uh, let's start with uh, some topics. I want to try and see if we can cover a little more than we normally get to, just because there's so much going on. Uh, we'll start with some news that uh, came out yesterday. Talked about it a little bit on yesterday's broadcast near the end, uh, but uh, of course I was babbling about it all by myself and didn't have anybody else to bounce the information off of. Uh, it seems that even uh, the fine folks of the legacy media are starting to become a little more critical of the Biden administration now. Not surprising considering that Biden was just a front man, and it was always a matter of borrowed time as to how long they would allow him to sit in that top spot. So they're free to be pretty critical of him, and they just can't say too much about Kamala. But we saw uh, Norm McDonald yesterday blasting all over the place a new report that CBS came across stating that the number of unaccompanied minors being held at <laughs> Order was almost 300 percent higher than what the uh, Biden administration had been acknowledging at the beginning of that week. So with that as a jumping point, acknowledging that the media has an interest in being a little more truthful while Joe's in charge, what do you think the backlash should be, and do you think the media runs a slight tiny little risk of uh, opening the eyes of some people who've been blindly following the Democratic Party? Ah, good question. Um, I don't know if their eyes can be opened. I think they're glued shut. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, is that um, because they agree, a lot of the people, I would say 90% of the people that vote Democrat agree with the destruction of the country, um, including my well-to-do neighbors. They don't give a damn about their success, the, the, the greatness of America. Um, and they want it destroyed. But at the same time, they have this weird concept that somehow they won't be destroyed. And uh, they just, uh, or, you know, they don't mind being on top of a pile of of rubble. Now, with the media itself, yeah, they're beginning to question a few things, just a little bit uh, concerning the children or whatever. The real issue is, not how many there are, but what caused them to come there and be there in the first place. Because until that is dealt with, as it was during the uh, Trump administration, 
uh, it's going to continue to be a problem. And for the most part, this administration, which, by the way, is a godless, anti-child, anti-woman party anyway. I mean, they, they specialize in supporting the death of children and the abuse of females by uh, trannies. So <clears throat> with that, you know, it's just until they're switched out, either through election or something that the uh, uh, the people that keep saying, the resurrection of the Trump administration, he's going to pop in all of a sudden. Uh, you, I, don't, I, I don't know if you're still hearing those things, but I heard them even today. Anyway, but one or, one of those things is going to have to happen. The, the Biden people are going to continue. He even lied to uh, his friend, George uh, Stephanopoulos. And, you know, they, and they don't – they ask certain questions, but they don't keep going as they should. Right. But they're doing a better job than they did uh, under Ali Obama because they didn't even ask him anything. They just – well, how was uh, well, how how are the girls? You know, I mean, they were very lightweight with him. But uh, you're right. You mentioned something about uh, Harris, that freak. You know, they can't they you know they can't say anything about her. I mean, she could squat in the middle of uh, Broadway, uh, in the middle of the daytime. I mean, you you better look away. You can't say anything because she's a colored girl, and that's you know that's the way it is now. The colored female and the trannies are the two um, idols uh, that you cannot correct, say anything about, or even notice. Um, and I know it sounds weird for me to say, or even notice. Well, you should see some of the things that they're, the changes and things that they're implementing in American corporations, like Coca-Cola. Dana Corporation of Ohio, uh, it, it goes on and on and on. There, there, it's just, what is it, microaggression? Yeah. Having conventions, I mean, big meetings about it. Well, if a black woman walks across the floor and she has braids and you look at her like, oh, if you don't look like you're worshiping her, <clears throat> it will be uh, designated that you're a racist. You're a racist, and uh, they're going to come after you. You always have to walk around, <clears throat> if you're around a black female, black fellas, us black guys, they don't give a damn about us at all. But, you know, the leftists don't. You know that. <laughs> you know that's the truth. Uh, but the, the the females, yeah, if you don't look like you're about to drop drop to your knees and worship them, you're in big heap of trouble if you're a white guy. Well, unless you're a leftist white guy because uh, – the leftist white guy and the black female have had a legendary relationship since uh, slavery anyway, and they still do what, do what they do. And that's why you see so many black females now, <clears throat> believe it or not, in positions of authority, minor and major, everywhere you go. Every time you go to the airport, there they are at the gate, telling everybody to keep those masks up. Big Mama Abrams and that type, they're all over the country now, AG positions all over, you know, in many states screwing over patriots or people of you know the second amendment and things of that nature trying to help <clears throat> her master or coupling partner coupling partner of the leftist white man <clears throat> to help destroy the rest of us uh you know through uh, getting rid of our inalienable rights i mean that's they're working together on this and if you don't believe me research and see how many did george soros put in the position I mean, 
Big Mama Abrams. She was a broke pig several years ago, a broke pig oinking around, and it was brought to Hillary Clinton's attention. Oh, she's an activist, huh? but she's broke. Okay, hook her up. And she's been doing their bidding. And it goes, but she was already doing it, but she was poor, but now she's in position because of their backing. And this has happened all over the country. And uh, it just continues to, uh, to fester away, and we the people, and produce more division, more concrete division. Walls are being built between different people. Um, I know you're probably going to bring it up, like Columbia University having different graduations, one for the coloreds, <clears throat> one for the um, oh, how many letters is it now? LGBTQ. Yeah, they've added some more stuff to it now. I can't keep up with it. Probably. Plus, now they just have a plus sign at the end. So well, uh, well now they've added some more after the plus. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh God. I mean, they, I, I saw it for the first time today, and then I was instructed that that's been the case for at least two months. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I'm behind with the LGBTQLMADXJKTLWKRP in Cincinnati. I, you can't keep up. Uh, one time I just did the whole darn alphabet. I said, you know what? You, you you can't go beyond the alphabet. So I just ran through the – I was in a, in a conversation with someone, a liberal, and I just said, screw it, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. And I just went all the way, and they said, okay, are you all covered now? Uh, did you remember to include the Greek alphabet, sir? Because if you didn't, there's still some room. <laughs> well, yeah, I got one better for you. Yeah. The Chinese language, it's never-ending. I mean, you ever try? You ever try? <laughs> I, I hate it when you make such a great point. Uh, the, the comedy bit's usually my stuff here, uh, but sadly, it's not just. It, it sounds like satire, but it's not. Nope. Just like right now, there's a little girl somewhere in America whose mother's a stripper and whose father's a crackhead, and whose grandfather is currently recognized as the president of the United States. And again, it sounds like satire. It is not. <laughs> it is absolutely not. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it does seem – and we've talked about that aspect before um, as far as these separate graduations and how the legitimate civil rights effort in the past – and there was a legitimate one at one point in time. Uh, you constantly refer to it as having been bastardized, and uh, that's a pretty good description of what's happened, but the original – Struggle, as they got to you down with a struggle, Ron. The original <laughs> struggle was to get to walk on that same stage, to be seen as an equal, not to be separated. But now we've got the Ivy League schools, and, and Columbia wasn't the first, but they certainly <clears throat> are going all in on it. Uh, it's all about letting everybody feel special in the name of inclusion. How, how can you be including when you're literally separating people? But that having been said, circling back around to the initial topic, you talked about uh, the microaggression. Now, I've always said that if you're having to worry about microaggressions, then you've not had to deal with a real issue. 
<laughs> and I honestly stand by that no matter what. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, I've had to defend that position. I've took some knocks on social media for it. Don't care because I'm right. They're not. But that's the problem with a microaggression in this case because you talked about if you look at this individual walking across the room, uh, it doesn't matter how you look at them. If they think you looked at them wrong, it was wrong. It doesn't matter what you did. The The whole idea of a microaggression is so nebulous, so undefined, literally anything could be. The exact same action 90 times could be okay, and then that 91st time, oh, no, that ain't, that ain't happening. <laughs> We're going to HR right now. Hey, you know what's going to happen next? You can be in the office. As you know, they have um, a lot of the big corporations, they have the open plan, right? You're going to find somebody's going to walk around backwards. <laughs> and if you allow them, since they don't have eyes in the back of their head and they're obviously not that bright anyway, but if you allow them to walk around backwards and you don't get out of their way and they bump into you, you're in trouble. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it, Ron. That's, that's that is no crazier it's that's retarded, but it's no more retarded than what is, what is real. Seriously. Yeah. I right, we, we see it happening. Uh, Coke says be less white. Oh uh, Jesus! Not not sure how to do that now. Microaggression. You know, you know what you could do? <laughs> now, Trump Trump did it, but he used the wrong color. That's why they call them orange mad bad. <laughs> All you got to do. Um, you know, if you don't like to be in the sun a lot, and you know, sometimes people, it doesn't work well. They turn, they get burned. They they turn too red or whatever. But they are coloring agents. You want to be a little less white. And when it comes to being less white, see, this is the thing that's really racist about that. They don't want you to be like an intelligent black person. They want you to be less white. Yeah, what's happening, man? You know what I'm talking about? They want you to talk like this. That proved that you, you know, you know what's happening. And because uh, that proved you, you ain't white. You, you see what I'm saying? Because if you spoke intelligently, like a, an intelligent black guy, most of those idiots couldn't tell because they have always portrayed black people as uh, not too bright. And when the bright ones stood up, they were pushed aside for the morons, for the idiots, because that's the image that Hollywood always wanted to see. The ugly, the ugly men, pretty black females for the, you know, for the um, liberal white guys to bang. Um, and it, it's, the, it's the way it is. And I've seen it in corporate America. I know it sounds not too nice what I'm saying, but I've seen this stuff. I'm not making anything up here. It, it goes on all the time. I think I told you about the time when I was in Alabama was during my speaking tour. We're riding around, and we we bring up the uh, – the one of the other pe people brings up the uh, situation about uh, um, in, 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 in um, the workplace. And I looked at – there was a big Nissan plant over there to the to our right, and I'm like um, – and I didn't I didn't say anything about the plant, but I gave a real scenario that I saw happen at AAA Michigan. And the guy that was driving says, well, I'll tell you what, Ron, that has happened all the time over there at that Nissan plant. 
You you know they always talk about racism and all this kind of stuff and the division between the whites and the blacks. You should see all those black females, a lot of them are married too, hooking up with those white guys. But yeah, you hear on television that you know it ain't like that. That 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 is just a white man oppressing everybody. It's oppressing you black guys because they're banging after your women. This was the guy driving. See, this stuff is probably pervasive in Tennessee, wherever. But don't come telling me, talking to me about be less white, oppression of black people. Because those people that are talking about that stuff, it's two scenarios, one or the other. They wouldn't know a solution if it bit them in the backside or if it entered their brain. And if they figured it out, they wouldn't want it. Because when have you ever, and please tell me, Tim, when have you ever in your entire life heard or read about a real solution, an authentic solution on any subject, including this one, that the left pushed that was an actual solution that made things better? You know, if if I had, I, you would be hearing me scream it from the mountaintops because it would be historic. The the left doesn't care about solutions. We've talked about this for a long time. Uh, there's too many politicians that claim to be uh, right of center that don't care about solutions. Uh, they love having an issue to run on. They don't want an issue to be solved because if it is – well, then what are they going to run on next time? Then they have to go back to work and find another problem to fix. Uh, it's a lot easier to just whine about what's already wrong. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's all about establishing that level. There is no one on the left that talks about solutions, and that's because the solutions uh, ferret out the failures of their own logic and their own policies and their refusal to learn on those failures and the refusal to acknowledge those failures. Uh, doing any of that would eliminate anyone ever voting for them again, anyone ever following through. Now, the individual people, Ron, I think would love to get a solution, but they've been browbeat down that there are no viable solutions, that they just don't believe there is one. But if they ever actually embraced it, if they ever followed a path like a Ben Carson or uh, – Someone along those lines, and there's a ton of them. Uh, there's plenty of successful people of all colors and religious backgrounds and, and whatever way you want to divide and stick a label that have simply done two very basic things. They've taken advantage of opportunities that are available, and they've worked hard to achieve. And if you do those two things… You can be successful in this country. It won't happen right away necessarily. I mean you could get lucky, but you should expect to put in some effort. You should expect it to take a little while. Patience is a virtue for a reason, <laughs> but you're right that everybody's been kind of moved into this microwave oven, 30-minute sitcom. All the world's problems should be solved in 30 minutes or less, uh, me first mentality. <laughs> And it's really hard to get people to actually accept what an actual solution to an issue might be. Yeah, and that's sad because um, it's we're watching our country get to the point where it's possible that hard work and patience 
will no longer be the case because they're trying to destroy the ability, the ladder, the, the, the literal ladder of life that we're supposed to climb up as we, as my dad used to call it, the ladder of success, rather. And, you know, he would talk to me about this, this how unique this country is. You get started at the rock bottom, uh, like many people have, and become very wealthy, very well off, um, and very successful. End up with a nice home, all, the whole nine yards, right? Including the nice collie named Lassie, if you want one. And now they're trying to destroy that. That's too white. All these things that are normal, they're being, they're being taught against. And I did read, I forgot where it was, that their goal is total unrest and making Americans, particularly the white ones, and the blacks who like this country as well, uncomfortable. That was one of the things that was said to my mayor. Uh, they got in kind of a little bit, uh, a bit of a tiff. <clears throat> I told you about that. Uh, Black Lives Matter is going to small towns across the country and tell, complaining and saying they're not black enough. Um, because And therefore, we don't know what it's like to be black. And so they've got to de-whitenize and they have to get rid of their comfortable surroundings. They've got to rough it up. And, you know, the mayor, he's a, he's a Democrat, but he came from this this, this little town. He, and he's, he's like, no, we're not going to destroy this place. If a black person wants to move in here, they can. And he pointed at me. He's been here 22 years. What's your problem? And so... <laughs> so, so, but he's not. And then, of course, they said that I don't represent what they're talking about. And you don't. And I said, <laughs> "Oh, I said you're right." I said I haven't broken into anyone's home. I, in fact, we've improved the quality of this house since we've been in here. It uh, is much more valuable now, uh, just like everyone else. I said, "Oh, that means we're kind of normal, right?" And. We don't have to worry about crime, so I guess you're right. I'm not the right kind. I said, oh, well. And then I just told the mayor right there in front of him, I said, I pray that you all hold the line. I said, because you you cannot allow these animals to come in here and to continue to nip at your heels and to try to wear you down. You can't do it. Um, these people are on corners in in small Michigan towns like Shelby Township. And, uh, you know they're wearing all black, and people are walking around. You're talking about quaint, just nice areas, Americana, and these people aren't bothering anyone. And this particular town, they're mad because the police chief said when these riots happened, he said some pretty strong words. He didn't call any names. He just said what he would do if he were in a bigger position. And it was printed, and they have been standing around in Shelby Township ever since. And I'm thinking, why in the hell, you know, and they told me, they said, well, Ron, they're not committing any crime. They're just standing around. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Um, I'm going to give, can I give you a theory? Um, if you, you're a student of history too, and um, one thing that 
bothers me is that this is the first time in human history whereas people that are on the on the side of good are either afraid or unwilling or we don't have the right to fight in the physical realm to destroy those who are out to destroy us and who would and have done physical harm to many that are on our side whether it's the, the Clintons killing people in that way in that sophisticated way um and it's, and it's like this all over the world. President of, I, I forget which nation in Africa, who in the beginning of this scandemic, what he did, he took the, the um, uh, vaccines and shot it into, uh, no, the testings, and shot it into a goat and some fruit. And everything that they in, injected with the uh, test materials, whatever that is, ended up with the Corona China virus in it. And he pointed it out to the world. He says, well, these things are meant to make you sick, so you're going to get it. Either way, you're screwed. And he ordered all of that out of his country. And he said, we're going to continue to just go for hydroxychloroquine, which, by the way, I found out recently, reduces cancer cells. And it is very inexpensive. And that is the other underlying reason why they do not want you and I to take partake. That's why they went after Trump like with fangs gaping when he came out and said, you all should just take a hydroxychloroquine. It's a, a harmless drug. It's been used for decades in Africa. And those people over there don't have the, the Corona China virus and they don't catch malaria. And there's hardly no cancer in that part of the world. So, therein lies another example of what I'm talking about. They do not like real solutions. Their solution are the tests that are bad and the vaccine that is worse than the test and the actual scandemic virus combined. Yeah, there's clearly one set of standards required for a solution in the minds of the elitist globalist. And that is, A, does it give us more power, or B, uh, does it line our pockets? If it does both, great, we're doing that. It doesn't matter what anyone says. If it only does one or the other, then we'll push for it, but uh, we're going to be working on something that does both. Ron, let me go ahead and break away. We'll do that mid-hour break where we uh, do the Edwards Notebook and uh, songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. And when we come back, we will jump back into the conversation. I have at least two topics, one we can do real quick, and we'll start there. That, of course, being your thoughts on Biden's little interview that aired today, uh, in particular his remarks about Vladimir Putin. Uh, and then uh, I uh, want to spend the remainder of the uh, time together talking about – I know it's silly, but that's what makes it fun – Cardi B. <laughs> oh. uh, so uh, sit tight where you're at, and uh, everybody out there listening, uh, you don't go anywhere either. The conversation is about to get real interesting. In the meanwhile, uh, how about a little Ron Edwards as he brings you the Edwards Notebook? No more papers. No more school books. No more teachers' dirty looks. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, 
It's bad enough that U.S. government school educators are world-renowned for not providing a very good education for our students. But now, more and more people realize that most educators are actually just self-centered hypocritical activists whose only allegiance is to the National Education Association, which supports the Biden regime's effort to educate or indoctrinate children who have crossed our border illegally, while U.S.-born students in Los Angeles remain at home. When it comes to U.S.-born students, the Biden regime has often moved the proverbial goalposts amid teachers' unions, which are a major ally of the destructive Democrat Party. While many Republicans favor a swifter reopening of government schools, I personally believe this is the perfect time for good parents to begin pooling resources and seeking authentic educational opportunities for their grossly undereducated children. And tell those self-centered union educators where to go. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over 1,000 pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400-plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through this very brief break. As a few truth bombs were dropped on you and a little promotion of our uh, assistance for some veterans in a very novel approach, as is offered up by Songs and Stories for Soldiers, uh, definitely want to continue to encourage you to visit the Songs and Stories for Soldiers uh, organization. Go visit their website and uh, see if it doesn't, at the very least, pique your curiosity and maybe want you to offer a little assistance. Uh, of course, before that, we heard Ron Edwards bringing us the Edwards Notebook, and it reminded me of a story that I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit tonight. I don't think we're going to get a chance to, but I want to throw out a, a headline version before we get back to the conversation with Ron, and that is it has come to light that the head of the Chicago Teachers Union has now been telling the membership of the union to not let the school systems that they work for directly know if they've had a vaccine or not because they feel like that could uh, take leverage away from them. Okay, he says we're not going to lie about it, but at the moment they can't compel you to tell them. Uh, I would like to remind everyone of this very simple adage: if you are intentionally uh, holding back information, then you are engaging in a lie of omission, and uh, a lie of omission is still a lie. And uh, I think that's something most people agree on if they're the victim of a lie of omission. And so I'm 
curious. Do you really want people in charge of your kid's education that prove time and time again that they're really only interested in their own benefit? It doesn't make for a great educator, in my opinion. You can, of course, decide for yourself. In the meanwhile, let's get back to the main conversation with this hour's guest, the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, my friend, great American patriot, Ron Edwards. Ron, before we jump back into the conversation, sir, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Tim. Of course, you can uh, catch the Edwards Notebook uh, every Sunday through Friday on mojo50.com or on independent radio stations uh, throughout the country. Amongst them are the uh, Nevada Talk Network. Um, I think their flagship station is KELY or something to that effect. I don't have the list in front of me. Uh, near Sparks, Nevada, but it's about eight stations around, you know, around the, the uh, that state, and there are also independent outlets in Texas and uh, one in Cleveland and here and there, and also the Edwards Notebook commentary is heard on many stations throughout the country. Uh, you can get a partial list on theronedwards.com. Go to my website there, and you will see a, a bunch of things, some of my articles and and the like. And uh, well, that's about it, Tim. Well, you say that like it's not a lot, sir. <laughs> well, uh, I'm impressed nonetheless. All right. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, little interview that Joe Biden gave and was aired on ABC. Uh, I kind of found it humorous that CBS was giving the Biden administration what for uh, overnight. Uh, and part of me made me uh, – well, part of it, I was wondering if it wasn't some jealousy that he didn't come to CBS. But uh, one of the things that uh, was mentioned is that Joe Biden, you know, the pee pad portion of Operation Pee Pad and Knee Pads, uh, my lovely nickname for the Obama for the well, yeah, Obama, Obama Part Three, uh, <laughs> the Biden administration. Um, he's trying to talk tough about Russia, and he has made oh. a statement that he is going to hold. Vladimir Putin responsible that he if he can establish that their interference in the election uh, how do you not establish this okay first of all uh, when was the last time Ron that we did not have Russia China Israel Britain France Canada all trying to intervene in some fashion usually a uh, very minor fashion but in some fashion to try and manipulate voters, try to influence an election. I, I don't know that there's been a time where that hasn't been the case. Is there one that you're aware of? No, but I'm going to tell you something. The reason why Uncle Joe and his doofus other doofus friends continue to go after Putin in this way, and now he's selling wolf tickets to Putin, I'm going to tell you something. Biden couldn't carry Putin's jockstrap. He couldn't carry even less than that for Putin. He's not a man. He is a thing. Joe, Joe Biden has been reduced to a thing, a caricature of a human being with dark, black, evil eyes who can barely talk beyond 10 minutes. Now, this thing, in fact, he said that uh, he told he claims that he told Putin directly, you don't have a soul. And Putin basically, you know, blew him off, I think, said, well, 
we both know or something. I, I forget the, the little comeback. But, you know, he looks at him like a, like he's a punk. He's a punk. And that was a totally different case with um, with Trump. And the reason why they are going after Putin, they keep jabbing that bear, is because, and I have it in one of my commentaries, Putin announced his disparaging feelings about the globalist and the New World Order crowd. And he pointed out that it's failing, it's coming apart, and dot, dot, dot. And so that is why they've been going after him even when Trump was in office, trying to get something going between Trump and – see, Putin is not our worst enemy. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I have respect for Putin. He is not the bad guy here. And, and and I could tell you for, in thirty for thirty minutes why I know beyond a reasonable doubt that Putin is not that bad of a guy. I, you know I will trust him a thousand times before any Democrat in America in any office. I would trust him before Trudeau, uh, that goofball in Britain. What's his name? Boris Boris Johnson, um, the president of France. Spain, Italy, all, any, oh, and especially Merkel, Ron Ball, Merkel. <laughs> Seriously, Putin has actually in the past spoken up for Christians and talked about how they're persecuted around the world. Now, being that he's a communist dictator, he, there is no reason that he has to say anything like that. Okay? In countries far fl- and far flung around the world, and even mention about the growing persecution of Christians in the United States. Now, that was not to make brownie points. I don't think so with with anyone here in this country because, you know, we're divided, communists, da-da-da. But between Putin and Trump, there was respect. The same thing between Putin and Rocket Man. And Rocket, Rocket Man, look, they've been calling... They, they were calling Rocket Man run one ringy dingy, two ringy dingy, three ringy dingy. No answer, no answer. They, they they didn't even respect Biden enough to answer the phone to even talk talk to the guy. Understandable, but I would like to point out that I think maybe that is part of uh, trying to garner a few points here because they still have a lot of their voting base convinced that Russia is the big bad. Uh, It it, it was hilarious when uh, we saw Romney and Obama going head-to-head. Then Russia was no big deal. Uh, But after the reset stunt from uh, Hillary Clinton, (laughs) all of a sudden, now Russia is a bad – and I agree with most of what you said, but I do tend to think uh, Putin is still a bad guy. He he is. He is, Tim. And I'm not naive, but I can guarantee you, you'll see it in the in the coming weeks. He has been. Should I even say this? All I'm okay. I'll just leave it at this. In the in the in the not too distant future, you will the the planet will know why I have a lot of respect for Trump for um obviously for Trump, but for for Putin. And he is not as bad as the U.S. media makes him out to be. He is not the enemy that the United States makes him out to be. He is a enemy. But 
Trudeau is more of an enemy to us than Putin is. Yeah, I, I do agree in so much that all of the globalists, especially the uber-leftists and the yes-man lapdogs like a Justin Trudeau happens to be for the behind-the-scenes spooky dudes that are running <laughs> the globalist empires. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I would trust – I would reach out as an ally Vladimir Putin well before Justin Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, and to – See, he's the kind of a guy that I believe if I met him, we we could look at each other in the eye. He probably would have a brewski. I'd have something else, a glass of water, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> and we could have an honest conversation. It wouldn't be full of bull bull capital S with a hit like it would be if I had a conversation with Kamala Harris. <laughs> I'm not I'm sure that saying. would qualify. Not sure that would qualify as a conversation. Actually, uh, you would be saying some things, and she would just be incoherently babbling because that's what most leftists do. Now, it would probably still be slightly more coherent than anything that Biden might come back Ooh. with. But yeah, you're right. Putin is somebody that clearly recognizes uh, machismo. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and he respects that. That's why Trump was somebody that he could talk to. And as same thing with our good friend over in North Korea, who, you know, there's a reason why uh, Kim Jong liked Dennis Rodman. Uh, Rod- Rodman's a weird cat, but uh, there's no doubt that uh, Rodman has got the quintessential masculine aggressive tendencies. So you. <laughs> You clearly know that, okay, well, this is a badly man, uh, despite some colorful things around the edges. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to respect that, uh, whereas somebody who they know to be a lapdog for China in the bag for whatever cash moves around and rarely even knows what he's saying – why should you respect that? Why should you take those calls? My my real primary thing I would like to point out to a bunch of leftists is it has caused a reaction uh, in so much that some of the ambassadors uh, in certain consulates have been recalled uh, in response to the statement. You can't just call a world leader a killer uh, and expect there not to be anything. Uh, it's just the first thing that struck me is I remember all these people saying in the first 30 days Trump was going to get us into a world war uh, when it actually looks like uh, Biden's certainly more content with dropping bombs uh, in places and uh, reneging on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the deadlines and roadmap that had been put down, uh, keeping uh, all those old traditional – ways of maintaining power and distraction in place while funneling cash to China and then back from China into their own pockets. It's a very scary thing, and we're quickly running out of time. As important as that discussion is, I do want to talk a little about about Cardi B and her so-called performance at the Grammys. Now, I didn't watch it, Ron. I I I didn't either. I can't remember the last time I have watched the Grammys, but uh, unfortunately today I have been subjected to photos and people trying to show me a video and I, that I refuse to watch because I know who Cardi B is at this point, uh, and she's still more of a stripper than a rapper. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear. Uh, she essentially did this mocking 
of lesbian sex on stage. Uh, pretty obvious that the effort here is a very degrading act. Uh, but they hide behind this notion and, and claim that it's empowerment for women. Uh, Ron, let me ask a base question. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures either. I'm sure you've obviously heard about it at this point a little bit based on your reaction. But if a man does something to a woman and that man is then objectifying her and uh, – belittling and degrading her through whatever that action may be, everyone's in agreement. I mean if it's something that is a perversion of morality that is degrading to their humanity, nobody can look at it and instinctively not know. My question is, and I know it's scary. I'm asking you to just step inside to the mind of a liberal, a place I'm afraid to go. Oh, no. so, so it's really not fair of me to ask you, but just in case you, you've had an epiphany on this, how is it any less degrading, any less destructive to their well-being if a woman does those same things to another woman? And why is it that this is deemed okay for our children but Dr. Seuss is not. It's a two-parter. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you jump into whatever one you feel better. And we've only got about four and a half minutes left, sir. Oh, okay. Um, oh, real quick, the gentleman that I told you, the president uh, from, of Tanzania, John Maguf Magufali or whatever, had sick, dead mysteriously. Um, anyway, to your question, man, what a question. Uh, it's a shame that we're in an age that we even have to talk about this kind of stuff on this level. But here's the thing. The left are anti-God, and they want to break up the natural attraction factors between men and women. A pretty woman walks by me when I was a, 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 you know, a single guy, and I said, hmm, you look very nice today. I could get in big heap of trouble for saying that today. Now, that, but it's natural. In order for people to get together, get married, the guy has to introduce himself. But if a guy does that, he's in big heap of trouble. However, if a lesbian bumps her, her chest against another female, that's okay. Just like in the same sense, if a homo walks up to, uh, I won't use you or I, as, to another guy, and touches him or says something, and the straight guy, you know, lets him know under no certain terms, I don't like that. He could get in trouble now. They're trying to force fit unnaturalness and destroy, and it's going to. They're working towards making it a legal edict. Men, you cannot bother with women. Unless she wants you to bother with her. Well, how do you know before you ever introduce yourself? But they want to break up that natural attraction, the natural affinity, the natural – that's the man approaches the woman. Although it's – I've seen a lot of reverse. Women chase after guys. But that's still amongst the two natural sexes or genders, yes, yeah, sexes that God created. But they're trying to break that up. They're trying to normalize this freakish behavior, and it's gotten so evil, the few families that are left watching that garbage, 
They have children there, and they want to poison the minds of children with unnaturalness, craziness, evil. And that's what all this is about. And if you're not an intelligent parent and you're not putting a a, a moral grounding into your children, they're open to this stuff. They're wide open. They think that's normal. Just as weird as, um, I think, I I don't know, I think I mentioned it on your show, Um, your your gay BCs. There's a book called Your Gay BCs. And I saw the video where she's teaching this child the ABCs, but they're gay BCs with each one, each letter having a homo or lesbian meaning. Instead of saying E means even or whatever, or electricity, E means whatever freakish, uh, they're all trying to break down normalities, just like they're trying to do it via the vaccine, which, by the way, has been admitted, and in some countries in Europe, they're discontinuing those vaccines because they, too, are designed to change our DNA, to change our natural patterns within our body, and they think this will make us, well, those who are stupid enough to take it, anti-God, to change your natural DNA. I don't know enough about all of that to to understand how those things work, but this is what they're working on. And um, in this article that I read uh, the other day, and certain countries in Europe are starting to back off some of these vaccines because they don't fight the disease. They only bring more harm than the disease. And it's the same thing with this, this crap called the Grammys. It's just a mental version. And that is what is so infuriating to me. Um, and the fact that we allow it. See, this is what I'm talking about, Tim. We allow this crap. When the, when, when the left doesn't like something, you can't pray anymore in public at, at a high school uh, football game. We're offended. And what do we do? We don't fight back. Okay. We may push back a little bit, but nothing to the level that they do. And because we compromise, and I know God is not proud of us for this, they continue to push, and it is their moral code that is dominant in culture now, because not because of who they are, but because of who we are not. We have not been brave, we have not been strong, we have not been willing to take the hits and give the hits. And this is, I know I went a a long distance with this thing, but this is how you kill a nation, Tim. If if you have no morals, you see, once your morals are out of of kilter, you're not going to have common sense, you're not going to think right about anything. It's like it is literally a domino effect. How best to destroy a, a nation, make them stupid in government school, and demoralize them at the same time? They're not going to think straight about anything. They're only going to accept evil and self-destruction. Boom! China was it doesn't have to do anything. They can walk in, and 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 and, and they can walk in and just take whatever they want. And the Americans will be sitting around like drunk Mexicans in a siesta. We'll hand it over 
We'll give it to them smiling, and we'll ask them if they'll televise another NBA game and let Disney film another movie there. Can we make our shoes there, please? I, you're you're absolutely right, Ron. What, oh, oops. I, I, I hate it, but we're out of time, and it, it never fails. There's never enough time to get it. We're we're just going to have to expand it. We're just going to have to start having two-hour visits. There's just no, <laughs> there's no way around it. Uh, but uh, anyway, I want to thank you again for coming on. As always, it's been a great conversation. Always love getting your point of view and and your takes on things out there. Uh, and Based on all the feedback I get, the majority of the listeners are loving it too, and the ones who don't, uh, they get passionate too, and I love pushing back just a little bit. So as always, thank you very much. Keep up all the great work, sir, and uh, you know, I can't wait till next week, and we'll get together and do it again. Looking forward to it, and we want to have you on probably Sunday on my show. So get ready for the call. <laughs> all right. I, I will uh, open up my schedule, sir, and I'll see you then. All right. Godspeed to you and your audience. You as well, sir. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rod Edwards. Uh, be sure to check out theronedwards.com when you get the opportunity. And since I'm about to have to say goodbye to some of you right now as the show is rebroadcast on terrestrial radio and they only play our snippets, let's reset. And at the other side, if you're here live, uh, we'll pick up our number two right after this for the rest of you. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take the other folks' word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, most importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. We built upon a start a dream Like nothing else the world has seen we built the promise on a dream. We built the promise we 13. We crossed the land bridge across the ocean.
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And so very glad to be with you live. Uh, something that I had missed for a little while now, had stuff that... Uh, technological issues, <laughs> cable connections, and, and all the my internet service providing issues. It was horrible. I miss you guys so much, but I'm back. been back for a little bit now, still enjoying the fact that I'm back. <laughs> Hope you are, too. Uh, yes, I'm so, so very glad to have you here. Uh, of course, we are broadcasting live on Wednesday night. It is March 17th. It is St. Patrick's Day, time of the live broadcast, just in case you happen to be listening to the rebroadcast or if you're catching the podcast version of the show a little bit after the fact, just so whatever you hear tonight may or may not seem a bit dated by the time you hear it, as is the norm uh, back in the first hour, we had our regular weekly visit from uh, the purveyor of the Edwards Notebooks, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience. We uh, had Mr. Ron Edwards, and uh, now we're moving into the second hour of the live broadcast, and uh, lots of times in the past on Wednesdays, I've had Ron on for about an hour, and then usually I would spend that second hour just kind of giving you my take on things. The last couple of weeks, though, I've had an abundance of guests trying to get onto the show, and last week we actually ended up having almost a full hour with Dan Perkins. And I'm going to continue with the guest things. I'm going to try to uh, continue to uh, nudge Chief into joining us uh, for the second hour next week. Uh, Chief was in the chat room just a little while ago, by the way, and he has uh, bounced back out, but we do still have Bigfoot, blogger extraordinaire, uh, hanging out with us. Uh, feel free to question my judgment on that uh, blogger extraordinaire comment by going into the scene for yourself. You can go to bigfootsplace.blogspot.com uh, and check him out. We've also got the crazy Gajan hanging out with us in the chat room. Uh, he's tends to show up for Ron and, and then hangs out for a little while longer, and uh, I sure miss having more direct interactions with you, sir. He is a fantastic uh, uh, show engineer and uh, show producer as well. Uh, just great guy and uh, always happy to have him hanging out with us as well. Thanks for being here, sir. Uh, Chief was in here, and uh, then he left and popped back in. He's popped back out. I, I'm thinking he must be having some type of technical issue either on his end or BTRs just being a pain in the backside, uh, which certainly could be the case. Now, I mentioned previously that I've been having guests on Wednesdays here lately, and uh, I will have to remind you that tonight – I'm scheduled to be joined by Major General Mari Elder, former U.S. Army, uh, retired at this point. She served as the Army Deputy Chief of Public Affairs. She's the author of American Cyberscape Trials and the Path to Trust. 
and uh, we'll be talking about the general ideas and the information that's in the book. It's always hard to discuss the kind of things I want to about what's in this book without giving away so much that, hey, what do you need to go get a copy of the book for at this point? It's really hard to do that. We're going to try and walk that tightrope because I think it is very important to get her experience and what she has learned because we are facing uh, a huge loss of trust in almost every major American institution. Uh, there is a link in the BTR show description uh, to Amazon if you'd like to uh, check out and possibly even pick up a copy of her book. There's also a link in the chat room that goes to uh, Ron Edwards' website as well, uh, theronedwards.com. So by all means, feel free to check those out as well. Before transitioning into that conversation, though, I want to go back and kind of touch on something that Ron and I were talking about back in the first hour at, near the end because there really wasn't enough time left to, to delve into it to see Chief is back in. Uh, hopefully hopefully uh, the powers that be will let Chief hang out with us uh, a little longer rather than keep booting him out of here. Hang on, Chief. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, we have been watching this erosion of American institutions, uh, erosion of faith in these institutions, uh, law enforcement, uh, the federal government, which you know, if, if you've ever had very much faith in the federal government, you probably were pretty misguided or naive. Uh, that's pretty much where I was as a young fella. You know, I, once upon a time, I believe that, yeah, while there's a few cantankerous old goots up there in Congress or maybe even in the White House, that I generally, generally believe the majority of these folks still had what they believed to be what's best for America at heart, and that's what they were working towards. I don't believe that anymore. I think very few people that are in Congress, and at the moment, no one in the White House is at that point. The best case scenario for a lot of these people is they're self-serving. That's the best case scenario for an overwhelming majority. Now, there's some folks that I'm still convinced have been there and are trying to fight the good fight. But even then, I'm curious and cautious about assigning a motive to fighting that good fight. That, yes, this is what's best for America, but why are you pushing for it? Do you have an agenda other than I just want to do what's best for America? Do you have an agenda of, okay, I'm going to be a senator for uh, a couple of terms, and then I'm going to go be a host on a Fox News show? <laughs> Excuse me. Assuming that Fox News even remotely resembles what it used to be uh, in the next uh, eight years? Do you think that, okay, I'm going to go be a senator for two terms, and uh, which would actually – senators have a longer term, so it's not eight years. What am I talking about? Anyway, I'm going to go be a senator for two terms and then leave early and run for president, and then I'm going to be the most powerful man in the world, which is a really weird thing to say if you're somebody like Kamala Harris. So it's just, you know, come on, Kamala, not a man. But then again, who am I to judge? According to the left, you can be one if you want. Gender's just a construct, right? We've seen on display exactly why people have lost the faith in these institutions like the government, like law enforcement, like legacy media outlets that are supposed to be trusted sources of information. 
We see them no longer adhere to what's been established as journalistic standards and instead become propagandist machines. And we've seen this on both sides of the aisle, but we see it way more frequently for the left. But there are places where at one time or another have leaned to the right that have become propagandist machines as well, that failed to meet those journalistic standards. And we now have people who claim the mantle of journalists who don't even see the flaws in how they're going about doing their job, which isn't journalism, by the way. It's propaganda. We see this because these people in some cases know exactly what they're doing, and they choose to do it anyway. Shame on you if you fall into that category. And some of these people have fallen victim to the school system that has indoctrinated these folks to the point that they no longer understand that they're failing to meet the basics, fundamentals of integrity. There has been an ongoing effort by people that we can claim to say firmly fall far on the left side of the political spectrum since before the inception of this nation. That's a long time when you think about it. For a group of people to be extremely patient and to be trying to tear down what was built up in this general geo geographical location that we refer to as the United States of America today. But it's understandable why people would make that effort because a very young nation decided to overthrow a world power utilizing farmers and uh, undereducated uh, – Youngsters and some uh, pastors here and there who also got into the fight overthrew a world power with a little help from France who probably, again, doing the right thing. But what was your motivation, guys? Were you kind of hoping you could come along afterwards and kind of pick apart the bones? Or were you just happy to see the English struggle for a little bit? What was the motivation? Lots of Historical documents point towards a multitude of, well, not-so-nice motivations, but it was still doing the right thing, which has often led us to ask the question of, does it matter if you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason, if you're doing the wrong thing but for the right reasons? Are these philosophical debates, are these something that we legitimately need to look at and to hold people accountable to? Does it matter to you why somebody does something if it works out in your benefit, whether it's the right thing or not. Now, Chief will be quick to tell you uh, most people will say no because, again, one of those simple facts of life that he's constantly talking about is people generally will act in their own self-interest. But there was a time in this country where we expected people who held certain positions would rise above the average citizen would set themselves apart, would set a higher standard for themselves, not that they would be perfect. Most of us understood then. Uh, we clearly have no understanding of that now. At least the left doesn't because, you know, cancel culture. Doesn't matter. As soon as you disagree with them on one thing, you're canceled. A lot of There have probably been more leftists canceled than there have been conservatives if you wanted to go down the list. 
No one was perfect. We understood there was no per- perfection, but we did also understand that once people moved into public service, that they were putting themselves on a higher path and therefore had to set a higher standard that they needed to hold themselves accountable to. And when they failed, they also needed to be honest, forthright, and acknowledge that failure and step aside for someone who could do better at least while they were in the position. That was the expectation. Now, a lot of people were just really good at keeping it secret when they slid, slipped off that path. Took a, a, a bit of a, a downgrade on that slippery slope. A lot of people were just really good at keeping it secret. But there was that expectation, and the public expected it. Not that we expected teachers and police officers and firefighters and paramedics, you know, all first responders, uh, elected officials, journalists in the newsroom and editors in the newsroom. Not that we expected these people to be perfect by any Stretch of the imagination, but we expected them to try to be perfect while they were doing their job, at least perfect for what the job required. And all of these are considered to be public sector positions, right? Except, of course, for journalism, it's not a public sector, but you're still supposed to be doing a public service as a journalist. Because as a journalist, you're supposed to be keeping an eye on the government and keeping an eye on big business and keeping everybody honest by simply reporting the facts about what they're up to when you discover them. That's journalism in a nutshell, at least what it's supposed to be. Nowhere as close to what we see today, at least in most journalistic operations. But what we saw transpire at the Grammys, I think, is a perfect example of the juxtaposition that is leading to the, the reason why we have so little faith in these what, – what's the word I'm looking for again? Institutions. We have lost faith in institutions because we have people that are in positions to influence others that want not to add to a culture but to destroy culture, not change culture but destroy culture, to literally be anti-cultural. This little display that Cardi B put on falls firmly into that category of being anti-cultural. She is the opposite of culture. Now, clearly, I'm not a fan of what she does. I would not even know her if it wasn't for the big deal the media made out of this really nasty little thing she most recently did that became a big hit. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, again, I did not watch the Grammys. I, As I mentioned with Ron when we were discussing it then, I can't remember the last time I did. Now, I remember pretty much… From the time I was old enough to enjoy music, to to really get a firm grasp and enjoy music, up until somewhere around 23 years of age, I didn't miss an award show, Uh, not for music, not for entertainment. I enjoyed watching it because I enjoyed seeing who was going to win when there was all the stuff that I had enjoyed. Which one's the best? What does everybody else think? And that's really why I like the award shows because I wanted to know what everybody else thought about the stuff I had enjoyed. 
how much of a weirdo am I? Turns out I started growing up about that time and decided eh, none of that really even matters. Now, if I was a performer, it certainly wouldn't matter if I was nominated for one of these awards and had an opportunity to win one. But I digress. The point is that once upon a time, the Grammy Awards was one of these institutions, just like the Oscars and the Emmys. They're an American institution dealing in the realm of entertainment, and it used to really, really mean something if you were nominated. You've all heard the uh, little faux modesty statements from uh, nominated artists. Well, it's just an honor to be nominated. Well, it used to be. That that was true. Now, if you were an artist and you hadn't ever been nominated, but you were working hard and, and you were seeing these examples, that's what you wanted to work for, yes, it would be an honor that first time. Hopefully you could maintain enough humility that would remain one. But these award shows were also important for the American culture because… The entertainment that we consume says a lot about where the culture as a whole is. These ideas, these concepts that once upon a time were believed to be heroic involved holding yourself accountable to a standard of morals that everyone could agree is good. Innocence. The protection of life, the sacrifice for others, these were values that were once coveted in the American culture. And today it appears as if we are required – I say appears as if because this is what the political left wants you to believe. It appears as if we are required to celebrate things that… Would have never been spoken about publicly 30 years ago. Cardi B at the Grammys is a prime example of this because she engaged in as close to, without actually doing it, copulation on the stage with a fellow female performer. This on national television and heralded as a great thing. Empowering young women everywhere. Claim your sexuality. This what is claiming your sexuality empowering. Now, is it good that as a society we've moved to a point where if you fall outside of the norm, it's okay to be more accepting? I would say yes. But is it good? That now the woke mob demands that you celebrate things that you want no part of personally? Now, Ron, in his usual Ron way, was talking about earlier uh, – <laughs> and I say his Ron way because he's very direct. He's using non-PC terminology, which is part of why the people that love Ron love him. He was talking about… When a gay man approaches a uh, cisgender man, 
it is almost treated as if the straight guy is committing a sin if he just says, hey, brother, you do you, but that's not me. You know, you could be extremely polite, could be as, and somehow now that's a punishable offense in some corporations. We, we've seen the headlines over the last few days. Microaggressions are now a what's, disciplinary offense. Microaggressions? Define for me microaggressions. Again, going back to the conversation with uh, with Ron, the definition is so nebulous, so non-defined that literally however they take it is a microaggression. You literally can do the exact same thing a hundred times and be okay, and then that 101st time, because they're in some kind of a different mood… You have committed a microaggression against them. It's like, I just did the same thing that we always do. Doesn't matter, especially if you happen to be a white conservative guy. Oh, you had it then. Uh, you certainly better not be Christian on top of all that because if you are, then you, you – why are you even still working? Why are you allowed to have a form of employment in the United States of America in 2021 if you are a hetero <laughs> – Cisgendered white Christian male. It's abhorrent to this anti culture. To bring in it, boy, who's joined the chat room. Glad to see you, boy. Now, Cardi B is supposedly engaging in empowerment of young females with this, but she's actually engaging in the same type of degradation that. The so-called toxic masculinity does. It's bad to be a human. Uh, it's, it depends on what kind of human. <laughs> I asked Ron the question, and we didn't really get to the crux of the feel. How is it okay for Cardi B to engage in sex acts on stage, and that's good for our kids? But somehow, Dr. Seuss is damaging to our kids. <laughs> Dr. Seuss, I'll point out, has become an American institution. Once you've destroyed the shared history, then you must destroy the institutions. And there's nothing in the Les Playbook that says you don't have to work on both at the same time. But it is about the destruction of this nation as it was founded. It is about the destruction, about even the notion trying to fall back for the protection of the Constitution. Conservatives in general are polite people. We want to have conversations based on facts. We want to be compassionate but still firm when it comes to the, the issue that facts sometimes fly in the face of other people's feelings. So while we can be compassionate, while we can be humane, we still can be firm in moving towards what's best. It's best, Cardi, if you're not in a position as an influencer and you're out there trying to convince a bunch of young girls that it's perfectly okay to dress real slutty and act real well like a stripper, and somehow that's empowering to you. 
It's best for America if you don't do that. And here's the thing. Cardi B has shown that she probably does have enough talent that she could do something other than what she does, what she chooses to do with the lyrics that she promotes and the imagery that she promotes. Now, she just trying to keep it real, y'all. But it's a lot easier to sell that crap because she's just selling herself and who she's selling it to. She's sexualizing herself. That, that's the whole point of what – she's degrading herself. She's demeaning herself, and in the process, any female that would follow her example. But she doesn't take responsibility for that because she's cashing checks, y'all. A lot of people will say that this isn't even an important issue, but this is at the heart of the culture war. And there is a war ongoing for the culture, and the culture – it's on life support. The, the, the culture that would allow an American republic to stand, a culture that would allow future generations of Americans to understand and experience individual liberty, it's on life support, and it's because – we have moved to a point where those who are controlling the levers of social engineering want to put Cardi B in front of your kids and take away Dr. Seuss. What else can you say? All right, let's do the Edwards Notebook, and let's see if we can't get the Major General on the line. You guys stay where you're at. I'll be right back on the other side of this very brief break. Is the Corona China virus really that big of a deal? Hmm? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, for the first time in global history, governments all over the world bowed to the demands of a tiny little doctor whose last name is Fauci. He and his fellow globalist minions, like Bill Gates, Scarf Lady, Merkel, Boris Johnson, and Israel's Netanyahu, just to name a few, demanded the shutdown of our economies, even great theater districts like New York's Times Square. Piccadilly Circus in London and Cleveland's Playhouse Square were told the show is over. Schools were closed, etc. But from where I see things, the massive shutdown ended up exposing our republic to more harm in many ways than the Corona China virus itself, especially when you factor in the huge uptick in mental health issues among the young, including depression and suicides, to add insult to injury. The current White House occupier has allowed at least 1,500 illegal border crossers into the United States, knowing they have the China virus, which tells me the lockdowns were unnecessary. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. 
This is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the VA drastically expanded telehealth during the pandemic? Telehealth allows you to stay in your home and visit with the doctor. Prior to the outbreak of the epidemic, the VA system conducted about 2,500 telehealth video sessions daily. Today, it's increased a 1,000%, with more than 25,000 telehealth calls every day. Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. Make contact with your local VA facility and find out how you can enroll in telehealth. It'll improve the quality of your care. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through this very brief break. Uh, It is my uh, honor to uh, bring to you the author of American Cyberscape, Trials and the Path to Trust. But she's a little more than that. She is a retired United States Army Major General. She's a former Army Deputy Chief of Public Affairs. She served as the Director of Public Affairs at the George C. Marshall European Center for Security Studies. To say it politely, this is just a small part of the resume. This is a woman who's dedicated her life to service of the American people, and she continues to do so now through her writing. Uh, please welcome to the show retired Major General Mari Elder. Uh, General, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I greatly appreciate your time, and uh, certainly uh, thank you for all of your service. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. All right, let's let's jump right in. Obviously, we are living in a time that it's it's been a gradual descent, but we are really starting to see the tide pick up. Uh, unprecedented, really falls short. We're seeing the absolute disillusionment of the average American citizen with a majority of American institutions. It's a a failing uh, of uh, morality as far as a shared moral compass, Uh, not just the, well, I'm better than you kind, but uh, a shared moral feeling of what the nation stands for. We've lost faith in elected officials. We've lost faith in our law enforcement apparatus. We've lost faith in our media sources that are supposed to bring us truth and and keep everybody who has power honest. And this is something that obviously uh, has not gone without your notice. No, I've been studying this for at least the past, well, 10 years really, because we looked at some of these polls when I was in Army Public Affairs. Primarily, we would look to see where every year in June when you see the Roper poll on confidence in American institutions or Pew or some of these others, we would look to see where the U.S. military ranked and why. And typically, it ranks fairly highly. I think right now that it's at 72% trust, and that is very high in this, this poll overall. The only thing higher right now is small business. And certainly there are some government institutions that are fairly low in these polls as well. But we looked at why the military typically ranked highly. And in my opinion, it's because this is a values-based institution, and it is respected because it is an institution that polices itself internally. We hold people to those values. I'll tell you that overall, from having looked at larger polls. There's one called Edelman that typically comes out in January, and it 
looks at institutions much more broadly. So government, business, media, and then non-government institutions. And this past year, all of those have pretty much hit rock bottom as far as trust and confidence. The only part of the business sector in which there's any confidence right now is for people believing in their bosses. And I would say that's more of an expectation. I expect my boss to do certain things. I expect my boss to behave ethically. I expect my company to do the right thing socially in terms of social responsibility. And what we're starting to see now, I think, is a little bit, just a little bit, but enough to give you hope that we're going to go forward and we're going to see things start to pick up and change because once you hit rock bottom, that's the only way out is to go back up. Well, that, that's making the assumption that we've hit rock bottom, and hopefully that <laughs> assertion's correct. Uh, I, I certainly would hate to see it if it gets much worse. It certainly is not moving in a direction that I've enjoyed. Now, one of the major points that you focused on for the purposes of uh, your uh, most recent book here is how technology – has managed to accelerate this loss of trust uh, without going into so much detail that there'd be no reason for anyone to pick up a copy. Uh, where <laughs> do you see this most obvious, and where's maybe something that most people don't realize that you came across while you were researching this? One of the things that continued to surprise me was how much of our personal data we give up unwittingly or unknowingly. And certainly everything we do can help uh, companies track us, can help governments track us, whether it's data mining for what we like on social media, what we purchase, what games we play, especially for our kids. Are they playing with go toys, games, apps that with every keystroke it sends information back to other companies or governments? Do we do those genealogy tests? and then post the results online, which can lead investigators to find out things about family connections or even, say, our medical history. I'm also concerned about things such as facial recognition software and what that means without permission and where that's going in the future, and games like WhatsApp, uh, Zoom, and some of these that also collect information. Right now, we're starting to see people post the little card they get that says, I've been vaccinated on social media. Can that be copied? Can it be used by other sources? And the answer is yes. So we just need, I think, greater awareness of what we're doing and how we're giving up data. Yeah. yeah, one of the things that really struck me, and I really hadn't thought about it much before then, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but there was a television show. Uh, it had kind of a sci-fi edge to it, but uh, they were making the comment about how they don't even really have to do any uh, – waste any energy on surveillance anymore, at least in the developed nations, because everybody kind of surveils themselves. It really is to that point, isn't it? That and there's all types of cameras. So if you, especially if you were in London right now, on every street corner there's cameras, ATM machines with cameras. If you're if you drive in your car, your car is sending information back to the manufacturer. It's not just about how often you brake and whether you run lights. It's also telling the manufacturer your route. So what route are you taking to work? Several years ago, the military had an issue with some of these 
watches you can wear that tracks your route when you run. So if you're wearing one of these watches and you're deployed to an overseas location and you run a certain pattern, it might, you might just be telling people the perimeter of the location where you're at. So we have to be very careful with what information we give up unknowingly. All right. Uh, as a uh, as a former high-ranking member of the military, uh, I would assume that you have a a love of the Constitution. Uh, I think that's a fair uh, <laughs> assumption to make under normal circumstances. Absolutely. Is there a constitutionality? Uh, is there a constitutionality component also here that concerns you as far as how this information is being gathered and used? One of the things I looked at is where is the legal basis for this? And I think it was at least 20 years ago that we saw the last um, review of this, and that and that that time it dealt with phone companies saying that those companies could not be held liable for what people said on the phone. So AT&T at the time was not liable for things that you or I would say on the phone. And this has translated into how social media apps or other applications today are saying they are not liable for what happens on their platform. So I think that this is part of that technology fast revolution that is changing the way we look at some of the norms that we'd accepted before. So if, if I say something on a certain social media app, is it there forever? Can it be used as an employer looking at me for a job? And that is already happening. But do we need to take a look at how those platforms themselves are beginning to police themselves and what laws are starting to be looked at as far as how these platforms are managed? Right. Yeah, during the course of your years of looking into this and then deciding to uh, focus in on writing the book uh, American Cyberscape. Was there anything other than what you've already touched that really just kind of ignited your passion to write the book? What made you decide that this had to be written, and since nobody else was doing it, you were going to step up? And you were, What ignited your passion for this? <laughs> I have a lot of experience and background in dealing with news media. And in my years in Germany, I also taught the role of a free press to many senior defense officials from the former Soviet bloc countries. So I've been watching and commenting on news media, how it works and how it operates for some time, particularly over the past 20 years when we've seen <clears throat> a lot of our media coverage in essence degrade. We're more focused or what we're getting is more focused on celebrity news. We're seeing all major news networks chase the same five to seven stories each day. And even though we've had a 24-7 news operation since, I think, 1989, I still don't think in some ways we're used to it. That's a huge news hole. And is television broadcast news filling that hole with things we need to know? Uh, educating us on how to look for misinformation, disinformation, show me how to tell what a bot is or what a fake news site looks like. I found some of that in a report on a Facebook site, one of their internal reports on what they had done. And it was the first thing of this kind I had seen. There may be some of these elsewhere in government, but they're not widely known or used. And I think the more we are educated about what's going on in media, and what we are looking at, 
the better off we all are and the better off we'll be in the long term. Uh, it's certainly hard to argue against that. I mean, there there is no harm committed by knowledge being gained. And in fact, that's probably the biggest single thing that's missing from our current American culture right now is there no longer seems to be a love of learning, uh, no longer seems to be a desire to get to the truth. Uh, everybody's perfectly happy with uh, the entertainment they're being offered up, and uh, they're perfectly happy to, to pay, play Candy Crush for uh, uh, three hours a day and then meander on social media. And uh, then, uh, oh, well, for exercise today, I'm going to film myself for a TikTok video. It, it really does seem to be the whole notion. I, I was so brokenhearted uh, along the same point. Uh, having conversations, and I've had more than a couple with people who honestly believe that the Babylon Bee is trying to promote straight news. They don't realize what satire even is. So uh, thank goodness there are still people out there that are trying to help elevate uh, the idea that information is available, and you should try to arm yourself with it. And you should look at a number of news sites and compare them. Or once you know one story and you know this is what happened today, and by reading it you take out mentally all the adjectives and adverbs, then you know what happened. So the next time you read it and there are words inserted, whether it's happy to glad or whatever the anchor or someone else reading it or writing about it uses, it changes our perception. So then we either like it or we don't because – We have been influenced. We're influenced all the time. We're influenced by detergent commercials, but we don't want to be manipulated. And once we feel manipulated, then we're really unhappy with it. But as you said, most people don't seem to realize it anymore because there's just such a volume of it that comes at us. We just passively let it go on by. And what we have to do is engage more. Yeah. Yeah, it is so hard. There was a time where you could read a a headline on a serious news outlet, and you would be hit with just the information that's going to be contained there. And now there has been such an adaptation of spin, and as you say, this manipulative language, uh, they, they do want to do more than tell you what's going on. They want to control what you think about it so that they can move an agenda forward, whether that agenda is for you to buy this particular type of bubble bath or to vote a certain way or to just go back to sleep and not worry about what's going on outside because it's a rainy day. All of these things are constantly in play, and we do have a a lack of – Critical thinking uh, that's really going on because a reasonably intelligent person in America that had an eighth grade education 30 years ago could easily spot that manipulative stuff and do exactly what you talked about, uh, remove the superfluous language and get to the crux of what's actually being said. Uh, These are all parts of some of these practical application, some of the things that you put forth, some of these pathways from the book. Uh, and again, it's really hard because I really want to encourage people to buy it, but I still want to talk more in depth about some of this stuff. So it's kind of that tightrope of uh, where do we go without going too far? It's like, well, I don't need to buy the book now. I got all the best parts. So clearly 
These aren't all the best parts, but it's an example of some of the information that can be found in the book. Sure. I'll tell you one of the things I think we all need to do is figure out a way to get better educated. And one of the things I found during my research for this was what are we teaching kids now about the Constitution, about how government works, how why parties are different, how they evolved from British parties in the early days of America. Where did all of this come from? So we have context. What we see now in our news is a crisis today and a crisis tomorrow. We have no idea how we got here, and then we never finish a story either. We still don't know how the recovery is going in Houston after last year's hurricanes. We don't know what's going on in California after last year's fires. We drop it and go on to the next thing. And we don't realize we've dropped it until there's a, oh, by the way, we still have so-and-so in jail awaiting trial. And you go, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. But we don't really remember it because there was nothing in between. So we don't have any continuity with what we focus on. So one of the things I've started to do is look at sites that try to tell you whether there's bias in news. I'm not sure I agree with some of them, but I still look at them to see how they analyze it. I also look at what we're seeing in educational institutions. The University of Washington, for example, has stood up a new center for uh, public, public integrity, I think. And it, what it does is take a look at how all of this comes together. So they do numerous studies on misinformation, disinformation, deep fake videos. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. It's the Center for an Informed Public. <clears throat> but we're seeing these types of things start to come up, even if, Two years ago, while I was writing this, I looked for sites to tell me about bias in news. I only found three or four, and there are dozens now. And what do we read now? Do we still read the mainstream news media, or are we starting to pick up substacks, newsletters? I look at news sites that tell me, here's what was said, here's who the reporter talked to, and here's where else they did research. So if I want to read the entire Supreme Court decision on the question of citizenship in the census, I can do that. And then I can see where something came from and where it ended up. Well, you know, I would settle at this point, General, if some of our elected officials who are supposed to be voting on bills would take the time to read the bill. <laughs> I think that would be a good start. Too. Um, but uh, that, of course, just uh, off to the side. Uh, yeah, I mean, Clearly, again, all great points and exactly what more people should realize. I spent a lot of time here trying to remind people that we are talking to our fellow human beings, that we don't have to be in complete agreement in order to get along and move forward uh, to a uh, better tomorrow, if you will. Uh, I've sometimes been called a Pollyanna as a result. I've sometimes been called uh, more harsh names (laughs) as a result. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I really do think that this is exactly the right uh, path to take. Uh, we're, we're so divided right now as a nation, and most of those divisions are artificial, and it's through education and through learning uh, in this fashion that you really see where those divides aren't so much of a division. Uh, we've got to stop trying to erase our shared history. We need to embrace the mistakes of the past so we can see how far we've come and see how 
much more work we have to do to get to that end goal. We have to see through the propaganda. We've got to see through the competing agendas, which serves those individuals well, and there are competing agendas on all sides of the political spectrum. If we learn to see through all of them, we can get back to the point where we can start enjoying American life together without having to constantly be like uh, worrying whether we're about to say something that's going to put us on the list of the next person to be canceled. This education, like you said, is exactly what we all need to be engaging in. It's a sense of community. You know, 20 years ago, if you got out of a taxi in in Chicago, you would have something to talk to the taxi driver about that you could both you both had enough knowledge on, and it was a, would be a safe topic. Maybe it wasn't baseball, but maybe it was something else that, as Americans, we can discuss. Typically now, if I go to London, well not, I would love to go anywhere right now. Um, yeah. If I were to go to London right now, I would engage it every. I engage every taxi driver to try to explain to me their zip code system. Um, none of them can do it, but it's still a fun exercise. But I don't know what to talk to people about anymore here, because I don't know what's a safe topic right now. If that makes sense to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about. Uh, the whole notion of uh, oversensitivity, and of course I get blasted for calling it that, but I, I honestly think that's the case. Way too many people get upset about things that just a couple of years ago would have been perfectly okay, uh, and it's something that's really – it's disheartening because, again, like you said, that sense of community has been dissolved, and again, mostly because a lot of people – are seeing divisions that really shouldn't be there. Uh, you're making enemies out of people that would be allies when it comes to uh, that daily activity. And at the end of the day, you're holding on to things that if you kind of let go, not only would you be able to maneuver around in a larger community, but you'd feel a lot better overall too. Now that's not saying there aren't important things uh, that uh, if you see a wrong and you should stand up and fight for it. And obviously not saying that by any means, but yes, mm -hmm. that sense of community is missing largely because so many people are so busy putting themselves into these little boxes with these little labels, and it makes it really hard to feel that larger community. Uh, General, I hate it, but we are quickly running out of time already, so please, I'm going to give you uh, an opportunity once again to uh, to push the book a little bit. Please let everybody know where they can find the book, and if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, please feel free to share that. Websites, anything you want to share, throw that out there right now. Right now. Okay, well, <clears throat> American Cyberscape is at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and any other places books are sold, including Walmart, I believe. Um, and you can follow me on social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and probably not very many others because I get tired of it all, as I know many others do too. But, but certainly there's, there's enough out there to follow and look at, and hopefully if you pick this up, I would love to hear your thoughts I think there is a lot more to be said, and I think we have a lot more coming up this next year in terms of technology, how it's going to be regulated, what's going to be happening with it in terms of court cases, and what we're going to continue to have to do to protect our own privacy. 
Absolutely. Well, General, again, thank you so much for coming on with me today. I greatly appreciate your time, certainly appreciate the uh, topic and subject matter, and would love to have you back on again uh, as these new things come about, but also would like an opportunity at some point in the future, if we can, to just talk about your career in the military because, uh, like I said, I gave just this tiny little spigot of your bio. Uh, You have – obviously been an extremely impressive member of our military. You've you've dedicated your life to service to this country, and uh, that to me I always find fascinating, especially in a time where the nation just doesn't give enough respect to the people who do that. So thank you so much for everything, and I hope we can get together and have those discussions. I look forward to it, Tim. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is, of course, uh, retired United States Army Major General Mara Elder. And there is a link to Amazon uh, to the book, American Cyberspace, Trials and the Path to Trust, in the BTR show description. So uh, please, if that interests you at all, uh, click that link. Slide on over there and check it out and maybe even pick up a copy. Uh, What else can you say? Uh, There is a lot of information uh, that we didn't get to that's in the book that deals with positive paths forward to try to get back to a good outcome. Outcomes that protect your privacy, outcomes that slows down the influence of technology in destroying the trust that we have. Uh, There's no question technology has went a long way towards that degradation. Uh, Back during the first segment in the first hour – not the first hour, but the first half of this hour – spent time talking about some of these institutional failings, and I used – a pop cultural reference that just recently happened to try to make that case. But again, technology we've seen as information is shared and disinformation shared and misinformation shared and just the whole idea of understanding the difference between disinformation and misinformation. Misinformation means it's false. It's not accurate. Disinformation has come to mean that it's information that uh, those in a position of authority just don't like. It doesn't mean it's wrong, just eh, not appropriate to be shared. These are the kind of things that could be easily pushed through with critical thinking. That's something that desperately needs to be reinstituted into our normal education system. The problem is the folks that are in charge of those uh, places right now are so involved with indoctrinating, if they were to start teaching critical thought again – A lot of their arguments would fall apart. (sighs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to have to be it for today. Again, I want to thank everybody hanging out in the chat room, which included the addition of Bringing It Boy. He joined in, and of course, Green Beasley joined us as well. Haven't seen you here in a little while. Green, glad to see you back. Uh, Thanks for coming and hanging out for a little while. In the meantime, thank you, everyone who's made it to this point. If you're listening to the podcast, you've gotten to the end of the second hour. Thank you for hanging in there. If you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, thank you for tuning in. Greatly appreciate you guys as well. In the meanwhile, you know the drill. Don't take my word for not one little bit of anything that I've said today. Not any of it. I am going to ask you for a small favor, though. Don't ignore it either. I want to challenge you. 
Go check it out for yourself. Use multiple sources. Uh, use some of that critical thinking we were talking about. And, you know, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, that's going to be it for now. I'll be back Friday night. Things are still kind of up in the air about scheduling of guests, but I suspect I will have at least one. And for the rest of you, remember, stay healthy, stay safe, and be smart, even if it goes against your nature. See you later. Have a great rest of the week, and I am out. using both hands.